my head in my hands like this, just shaking my head, thinking how many times I cut Mrs. Lubaroff's lawn to, to make this money, you know? So with that, it got worse. The stock got down, I think, close to 40. And it was right around Christmas. I was broke, beyond broke. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'll be your worst podcast host for the day. And I'm here with featured guest, Stephen Kalajian. Stephen, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock, Andrew. Good morning and good afternoon and welcome, everybody. Very excited to be here. Yeah, and for those listening that can't see this, you've got how many screens behind you there? I'm counting nine, 27, uh, how many? I think it's 40, 41. <laughs> I might have to get <laughs> two more, but I'm good with 40, 41. There's a lot happening behind you, but let me introduce you to the audience. Stephen is the chief market strategist and co-founder of Ticker Talker. Has over 30 years of experience in the industry trading stocks, futures, and currencies, having begun his career at the American Stock Exchange in 1983, the year I graduated from high school. Since that time, he has traded nearly 2 billion shares. Wow, over his career. In 2005, Stephen founded his own firm to research and develop software to help identify trends, reversals, patterns, and divergences in the marketplace for all asset classes and timeframes. Stephen seeks to generate high alpha trading ideas throughout the day. He and his team employ technical analysis through utilizing the proprietary charting software he developed on TickerTalker in order to forecast the market. So Stephen, take a moment and fill any further tidbits about your life. Well, welcome everybody. So August 1st of this year is, uh, I guess, my anniversary, 37 years in the industry. I'm very proud of that. An industry that has given me nothing but great joy you know, growing up, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I was very talented. I actually went to a major league tryout camp and got heavily recruited there. And then I always wanted to become a doctor. I always wanted to be a surgeon. And so I love helping people. And I wanted to really push myself to the outer limits. And I thought I could be a, a heart surgeon or, you know, something of significant magnitude where you require eight to 15 hours of surgery because I had significant stamina and I didn't have the resources for it. And then one day my father said to me, hey, I want you to take a day off from school. I want you to come to see what I do for a living. And then as I'm walking up the marble stairs, the 23, 24 stairs on the American Stock Exchange, my father was standing at the top in his blue smock. And as I got closer to the floor, I heard the roar of the floor, and it just, I had just, I don't know, it just over, it just, my, my veins started to swell, and I just said, Jesus, and I hear, Octobris. I said, Dad, what's Octobris? He said, October, November, December, you idiot. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be a fun day, right? <laughs> so, so here it is, and you know, one of the greatest things is, yes, as much as I wanted to play, play Major League Baseball, and I was given a gift and, and I wanted to be a surgeon. I have no regrets. Uh, mm -hmm. What the good Lord has instilled in me with the ability to build predictive analytics to help not only myself, but 
you know, people in the world, whether they're trading equities, commodities, index futures, options, and the forex, has really been giving me a joy. And that's why I decided to build Ticker Talker with my partner, Joe, because the content that we're producing here on a daily basis is like no other. And I know there are thousands of people who proclaim, and I can just tell you from 37 years of experience, what we do here is really the right course for the right person, whether you're scalp day, swing, intermediate, or long-term investing. So we're proud of the platform, Ticker Talker, and this is our goal for, you know, to really enhance all traders around the world. And can you just, for those people that don't know Ticker Talker, can you just give the 30,000 foot view of what exactly that you do with Ticker Talker? So Ticker Talker is, and I'll explain the platform quickly and then I'll just, so Ticker Talker is a web-based platform. We also have Ticker Talker TV. We run it eight hours a day. Some big announcements are coming out on that as well in the near couple of weeks. But Ticker Talker was a platform designed to create content by many very top professionals I know in the industry and people that, you know, could educate the right way. I mean, I have newbies that come to me all the time. I had a gentleman, I think, from Germany said to me, I only have $500 in an account. You know, so obviously what I charge is less than a, a cup of coffee a day. I wanted to make it so minimal that people grasp the learning knowledge of what we do. Everybody's different with different price points, but we try to keep it where it's so affordable that the end user from a novice to the most sophisticated traders are not going to feel a significant impact. We're about really taking the time to take the platform and educate so many people. And obviously, I would love to have you on my platform because, you know, especially here in the States, people are looking for any type of content that would help them, you know, and there's so many DNAs in the world. So we try to focus on covering all the DNAs on Ticker Talker. So for me, it's eight hours a day in a live room, calling out trades, trades, ideas, market direction, and I'm just seeing it. People are using my analytics. I have a telestrator. I'm explaining what's going to happen next and why this is going to happen. And I'm not a fundamentalist at all. The only time I was ever a fundamentalist was when Amazon came out about a month and a half ago, two months ago, and said, and the stock was 16.27. We're going to hire 100,000 new employees. I'm like, guys, did you hear what this company just said? Their earnings are going to be blowout. This is going to be the greatest stock in the world. Okay, you got to buy Amazon on Ticker Talker TV. This is in the stock ran 1,600 points. So that's the only time I was a fundamentalist. I'm basically all, well, 100% all technically oriented, and in doing so, I spent eight years of my life building predictive analytics. Okay, great. Well, I'm really excited to get you on the show because I know you've got a doozy. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So when I worked on the Florida American Stock Exchange, and boy, this is a doozy. I had, I was working, before I was working on the Florida American Stock Exchange, I was making $2.10 an hour. That was what the minimum wage was. So just take, you know, I had 3000 a little over $3,000 saved up. So it was 1,500 hours of hard work, cutting grasses, cleaning windows, washing cars, doing clean basements or garages. I just did whatever I needed to do to, to survive. And so I took the $3,000, and my father's friend was a broker at, I believe, a Prudential, and I opened up a brokerage account. 
Well, when I was working on the Florida American Stock Exchange at Post 3, right behind me up, right behind me at Post 7 was a stock called American Can. Now, it was a Dow stock, but these, the, the stock traded on the big board, New York Stock Exchange, and the options traded on the Amex. So, I don't know. It was probably like a little before October, September of, of that year, end of 1983. And I just literally started on the floor August 1st of 83. So, again, 37 years in the industry. So, I said, oh, American can. Oh, it's above 50. And I said, all right, I'm going to buy a call option. So, I bought five Feb 50. Never forget this long as I live. I bought five Feb 50 calls. Now, mind it, you still had October, November, December, January, February, five months that I was going to bet that the stock was going to go higher because the call option is you're betting that stock is going higher. But I never knew about premium depreciation or anything like that, right? So, and plus, if the stock went down, I didn't realize the option was down. So, I got, you know, so I bought five to 50 calls at two and three quarters, roughly, you know, with commission close to $1,500 or half of what I, my net worth was at the time. <laughs> And then the stock started to drift lower over a couple of weeks and probably around 46, 47. The options were trading probably like a buck and a quarter and bought more. You know, I bought all the way down. And I think it was right before Thanksgiving, the stock was trading around 44, 43, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. I remember my head in my hands like this, just shaking my head, thinking how many times I caught Mrs. Luberoff's lawn to, to make this money, you know. And then somebody patted me on the back and said, hey, kid, go home, enjoy yourself. You can't turn the machines back on, right? Just like we saw in trading places, right? Like, <laughs> turn the machines back on. Right? So with that, it got worse. The stock got down, I think, close to 40. And it was right around Christmas. I was broke, beyond broke. Mm. My father's friend said to me, break up with your girlfriend so you don't have to break and then go back with her after Christmas so you don't have to buy her a Christmas present. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't take the advice, but I kind of scrounged some money up together or something small at the time. And then January came around and the options were trading, I think, like a steenth and eighth or a cabinet to a steenth or an eighth a quarter. Nothing. Peanuts, mm. you know. And I only had like maybe, what, eight weeks left before the option, you know, expired worthless pretty much. And then around the... It was actually the one week before expiration. So my entire investment's down to zero, mm. right? And so I had no risk, no discipline of risk. I, no preservation of capital. I had, you know, zero, nothing. I just rolled the dice and I was better off going to AC and betting red or black and knowing within three minutes of the spin versus five months of my stomach ripping at the scene, right? <laughs> so a week before expiration, Stocks up two on Monday, three on Tuesday, four on Wednesday, three on Thursday. Now it's back to 49 and a half, 49, three quarters, 50, and then up three and a half, four on Friday. And at 345, I went to the yellow phone. I picked up the phone. I said, Tommy, sell whatever I think, 25, 50 calls market. They were trading, I think they were trading like two and a half three, three or three and a half or something like that. And I see the broker walking in with my order. American can, 50 calls, I'll sell 30 or 25 at three. Take them like that. I'm like, that's my order, like that, right? <laughs> so as I'm watching this unfold, I turn around 
And I see my father standing right there, looking at me with this look on his face. And he says to me, are you out? I said, I'm out. He said, when I came on the floor this Monday, when they walked on the trading floor, on the American Soccer Show trading floor, he said he saw a penny faced up. And he bent over, picked up the penny faced up, made a wish that I would not lose any money. So he says to me, what did you learn from this experience? So now I'm really thinking really hard. And I said, whenever you have a losing position, you look for a penny faced up. He says, no, you idiot. You never averaged down. <laughs> so, and then I ran right into Mer With eight minutes to go, I bought 10 Merrill Lynch call options like an idiot. I, you know, like, so I just had the passion to trade. And it was like, so again, I think that why I use the five key words, consistency, discipline, confidence, patience, and passion. Well, the discipline is everything. I don't care if you're scalp day, intermediate, long, you, you have, or long-term, you have to have discipline. And, you know, I remember like watching Enron go from 78 down to two, all these socks and, or, you know, all these Devon Energy stuff. I, I mean, I watched bloodbaths over the years and nobody gets out, you know? Right. I watched the stock, uh, LA Gear was a growth stock. I knew the owner. Yeah. Went from 45 to 90. It was usually, when I was at Post, Post 3 on the New York Stock Exchange, it was right in front of me. And the stock was flying every day, like up four, up eight, you know, and eventually they split it two or three times. And then, you know, LA Gear went bust. And then obviously nobody, you know, a lot, I knew a lot of people never even sold it, you know, just kept on thinking it was going to keep going and going and going. I think so how would you summarize the, the lesson that you learned from this? I mean, you mentioned the words that you use, I know, on your, you know, in your business and on your site and stuff. But I guess the lesson here is that you've worked extremely hard for the money that you have to invest in that. If you're wrong, nobody, see, that's the thing. Nobody wants to admit when they're wrong, right? And that they don't realize that when you're wrong, it's okay to be wrong. We're human beings. But now the challenge is let's do it right and let's, whatever you did, right? Whether, like, there are times like we're in a position that a, a tweet comes out, we get stopped out. Can't right. do anything about news events. I mean, it's sometimes it works in our favor, sometimes it doesn't. It's, it's literally 50 50. Yep. I mean, we will had SPs long, boom, news got boom, up 12. You know, there were times, boom, down eight, and we're stopped out. I mean, I, the pattern's great, and everything looks great, and you should have gotten a four to eight handle move up on the E minis. Instead, news came out, but, but then we go right back in and then short the next bounce or buy the next pullback. So there's always another trade, but you have to adhere to preservation of capital. One of the lessons that, you know, that I deal with people in my live room all the time is the lack of discipline. I knew a guy who thought he was bigger than the market. He shorted PayPal right the day of the earnings and the stock exploded and he lost like $20,000. So I said to him, I'm going to help you under one condition. I want you to take a, get your mirror. I want you to take a picture of your wife and your two kids and put on the mirror and make sure that you never make the same mistake ever again. You gambled your money thinking that PayPal was going to go down because you shorted it when PayPal actually rallied 20. Well, he made all his money back, right? And he's in my room every day and he loves me. And I call him, you know, by his first name, but the word crazy in front of it, right? In a joking, loving way. But the point is, is that 
no one's bigger than the market. And so if you're not, you got to take that and then you got to really adhere to preservation of capital and discipline. Like I remember back in, you know, 08 when, you know, and then the times when we had blood baths in the market and, and I watched people's 401ks, I'm like, oh, it'll come back. It'll come back. You know, yeah. How do you know it's going to come back? Yes, it has come back. Yes, the Federal Reserve just prints money and they'll do whatever they can because, you know, you can't have a faltering stock market and it's got a significant backstop here, which is completely not fair because no business in the United States that I, I know of has any backstop yeah. except when, the you know, when the President Obama and then he backed all the banks with, with the TARP and then all the, the auto stocks, you know, auto companies. But, you know, it's, it's small America doesn't have a backstop. I mean, I, I went to a restaurant, they were closed, Brio. Nobody backstopped them. But again, I think that people have to realize that, and I use a lot of baseball terms, I love the game. This is the major leagues. And if you're going to invest, right, or trade, you got to be have discipline. And it doesn't hurt to take a profit. Mm. I can't tell you, like, I have people that will not sell, even if they're 50, 80, 100 points in the name. I'm like, you got it. what's wrong? This is insanity. You know, and then they cry when it drops $40. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. You know, some people just won't sell until they lose. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> they, so, they, you know, I think people just want to be taught the lesson, you know, like, oh, it's not going to happen or anything. I've seen so many things. Did I ever thought I saw a negative 40 oil in my life? No. We saw it down $106 gold yesterday, four cents in silver. Yeah. Come on. Did I ever think I, I have pictures of all this? You ever think you see a 3,000 Dow down? No. So I've seen it all, you know? So maybe I'll, I'll summarize some of the things that I take away from it. You know, the idea, the first thing is that the discipline is such a critical thing. And I think that's something that when I look back at when I started in the stock market, first of all, I had no money. You know, like you, I had, you know, no money when I started. And basically, I always saw it as, you know, I'm too poor to be able to just gamble. I've got to, you know, be much more careful. I can't afford to lose. Right. And so I had to take risk management very seriously. Whereas I see so many people that come into the market with no risk management at all. It's part of what this, what this podcast is all about is to wake people up to risk management. I think the second thing in my case was that when I came to Thailand, not long after my best friend came from America and we set up a factory here in Thailand. And, you know, that took a lot of capital and we knew we weren't going to get support from banks and stuff as two, you know, American guys in Thailand. And then we had the 1997 crisis where everything fell apart. And the end result of that was that I always had to have cash reserve. You know, I could not bet it all on anything. And I always had to make sure that I wasn't going to lose it all either. So, you know, I always say to myself, you know, like I say to people, you know, I'm too poor to be able to, you know, take the risk that you take. But truthfully, right. most people, as I explained in one of the courses that I teach, I try to explain about seatbelt. Nobody goes into a car these days that doesn't put on a seatbelt. Everybody it's accepts that a seatbelt right. is a great risk reducer. And mm -hmm. the fact is, if you don't wear your seatbelt and you have a car accident, the world doesn't care. You know, right. you're going to die and you couldn't have saved your life if you'd just worn it. And it's the same thing with whether whatever that risk management thing is, in your case, a stop loss, in someone else's case, you know, I buy stocks super cheap, therefore it doesn't go down as much or whatever that is. But 
you know, the importance of risk management, I think is the biggest, biggest key that I take away. And, you know, one question I have for you about that is when you look at a stop loss and you say, as you said, it's, you know, 50-50, sometimes it goes down further, sometimes it comes back up. That's our, that's our news release. Yeah. Yes. How, how can somebody deal with that? I know there's a lot of people, they see a stop loss, they execute a stop loss, and then the trade you know, bounces back and they think, oh, what an idiot. I should have never taken that, you know, executed that yeah. stop loss. But how do you? Yeah, so the mindset's got to be so powerful that you cannot look back. Yeah. I tell everybody, next, next trade. That's it. We'll make it back. Next trade. That's it. Let's go. Mm. Okay, have confidence in my software. Have confidence in our ability here. Have confidence. Listen, blank's going to happen, right? No matter what, during yep. the day. Yesterday, we saw a Dow up 335 at one point and then actually reversed down to negative 55 at one point. So you saw almost an 800-point up-down reversal in a day. Yeah. You saw the NASDAQ futures up and then down 177 or whatever it was. So we saw stocks get absolutely slaughtered. You know, one of the things about predictive analytics in the software I built, I visually can see it with the technology. I have my own charting application on TickerTalker. Right. And so I'm actually able to teach people, you know, how these patterns line up and when I get correlation studies. So I'm very big into correlations. Mm. And I do look at multiple time frames. So everything's all technical with me. So, but I'm able to visually see it. So without this software, I wouldn't even know which way the markets were going. I spent, like I said, eight years of my life and I think I took two days off in doing so. And so the passion was there. I actually thought it was going to take one year of my life, but it took another seven. And I believe that this technology that I have, once I teach it, in a couple of days, people get it. I have actually people now so in tune to the software, they're calling out trades to me. Right. Hey, look at Chevron yesterday. Look at the sell right. divergence. I mean, boom, sell it. New high, sell it. Boom, drops forty, whatever. So I, it's so great in 37 years now to have worked so hard to build a product and then teach people and they're actually seeing it for themselves. I mean, I have text messages. People made just in one stock on Friday, $3,200 and $5,200 in Tesla. And that's right. just one name. We, we deal with the biggest names on the board here. So I think that there is a significant misconception. People say day trading is a losing proposition. Well, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, you know, yeah, I was one of the, if not one of the best in the, in the world doing it. And then if, now if you look, I'm, my goal now is to help others who are struggling, who don't understand. And mm. I talk to them same way as if I know a guy who's a billionaire versus someone who's new and doesn't have any money to trade, but I try to teach them the exact same way. I've taught top hedge fund professionals correlation studies between the underlying ETF and the continuous contract on the futures markets. They don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. When I showed them, finally after about 10 minutes, I go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I, 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 this is amazing, you know? So I was given a gift and now my gift now is to give it back. That's why we built Ticker Talker. And so we feel very, very proud of the platform. And we feel that with the, the amount of people that are on, it's uh, anybody can pick whoever they like and 
see the content and get a good understanding. I'm about to complete a course. Again, it's going to be super cheap because I want people to really learn. That's the most important thing. Got it. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? To move to Florida. Florida. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, well, it is actually. I don't like the Northeast. I don't like the cold. I've been here too long. I'm going to be 58 years old in February of 2021. And my bones hurt. So, but I'll answer the question more. My goal here is to really inspire people to learn the right way with Ticker Talker. Mm. I've seen in my, I know a girl, she called me up on a Saturday and says, hi, what are you doing? I go, oh, not much. I'm just whatever. And she's like, well, I just went to Barnes and Noble and spent $250 on books. I'm like, return them, you know, return them. I'll teach you, you know? So, uh, and she did, but you know, the one thing I have to say is I think the goal here is to really change and help people change their lives, whether right. it's through me or any of the end users on Ticker Talk. And that right. to me is our goal going forward. Okay, so we're going to check in with you in 12 months in Florida. <laughs> oh, I love the beach. I yes. love the warm weather. Yes, I don't exactly. sweat, so it just... Oh. I get and a lot of that warm weather over here in Thailand. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risks, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And as we end, Steve and I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to also congratulate you for being one of the brave ones. I say brave ones because most people, when I ask them to come on the show, they say, Andrew, no thank you. I'd prefer to talk about my winners. So congratulations for taking your worst investment ever and turning it into, as you've already said, what is your goal? Teaching. So you've taken it and turned it into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Well, that story changed my life because it really instilled the discipline that I needed. As an athlete, as I stated earlier, you have to have discipline in your workout and your maintenance of your body and your, you know, getting better and hitting and throwing and everything I did that related to the game of baseball. So I ate right, I didn't drink, or I actually got teetotaler award in high school. So I think that the discipline that I took into my athletics really then transformed based upon that story into trading. And it happened to be my first trade that I had to learn discipline. <laughs> so I think that's the most compelling thing that it followed me throughout my whole life. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is Andrew Stotts your worst podcast host saying, I'll see you on the upside.